Welcome to our Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. I'm Patrick Hamilton, and I'm the campus pastor of ministries here at our Rolling Hills Nashville campus. In today's message you'll hear from Pastor Jason as he teaches from Exodus 3 when God calls Moses out from the burning bush. We hope that today's message encourages you and challenges you to listen for God's call on your life. Now, let's hear from Jason. Well, I have lived a lot of my life with the following mantra. I'll know when I know. Now, for you incredibly structured people, that drives you bananas. You don't like somebody who just knows when they know, but it has served me well in life. Right up there with two of my other life mantras, one that it is what it is, and another one which is people are funny. Uh, so those are my kind of three life mantras. People are funny. Uh, it is what it is. And I'll know when I know. When we go to a new restaurant, I look at the menu and I read over everything. I don't have any preconceived notion of what I'm going to order, but then I just kind of look to see what speaks to me. And we order it. When we're picking a vacation destination or where to stay, we go in with the dates and the general area, and then we just kind of explore and see what is out there. And inevitably, I know when I know the place we're going to go and the place where we are going to stay. You should probably ask my team about this. It probably drives them crazy about my leadership, and that's okay. Uh, on the positive side of this, though, it does not drive my wife Jacqueline crazy because this is more of a mantra to her than it is even to me. Y'all, I love this girl. She can wait on buying a new bedspread for months. She needs a new bedspread, wants a new bedspread. She will wait because she has something in her mind that she wants. And she says, I have not found it yet. And I'll say, well, what are you looking for? And she says, I'll know when I know. <laughs> it doesn't exist quite yet, but someone will produce this. And I will know when I know. I remember as a teenager, I went to my dad. And my dad, who was in vocational ministry like I am, and I remember as a teenager asking him, Dad, how do you know that God has called you to ministry? And he said, well, God has many ways that he works. One of those is he speaks to you through his word. He said he also speaks to you through the affirmation of other people. And then he said something that I've held on to for 20 plus years. He said, but son, there's also something about just in your heart. You sometimes just know. And you know that there is nothing else that you would rather do. And God is the one who has implanted that desire there. And he said, so I guess the safest thing to tell you is sometimes you just know when you know. So I all of a sudden know where I got it from. So my hope and my prayer for today, though, is not that we would all adopt this mantra. That's not the big idea. I don't want you to leave this place today and say, the pastor said that I'm to live my life with this principle. That's not it at all. But what I want you to leave this place today with is a better understanding of what God wants to do in your life and how God wants to use you. And perhaps there would be something about what God is calling you to do today that maybe you'll arrive at a place, though, of where you're saying, you know what, I know something now that I didn't know before. And I have a clear picture of what it is that he is wanting to do. Or maybe there's all these areas of my life that are in the unknown camp, and I can begin to see some of those things that are known, and that when God makes that known to me, that I would respond with obedience. I'm so thankful that you guys are here with us this morning. Why don't we pray as we turn our sights to this uh, incredible book of the Bible, Exodus. Lord, thank you for meeting us here. Thank you for what you've done already in this place and for what you're going to continue to do in our time together. God, we are so thankful for you. We're so grateful for who you are. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus Christ that we pray and ask all these things. Amen and amen. So today we're talking about calling and how I am to pursue the calling and what is the calling that God has placed on my life. And calling is a word that's kind of mysterious. We say it a lot, but we don't often know exactly what it is that we are talking about because it's a really broad term. In fact, it's one of those mysterious words. And when you hear calling, 
calling, you tend to think of people who do the job that I do. And you say, oh, a calling must be for a pastor, or a calling must be for a missionary in Japan, or a calling must be for the nonprofit leader of some organization. And all of those callings are right. That's an accurate definition of the word calling. But you're going to see nowhere in Scripture does it say that God is going to call all of us to do those kinds of things. But it does show us in Scripture that all of us are called that we all have a calling that God has placed on our lives. So my goal this morning is not to make those of you who work in insurance to jump ship and come and join the church staff. That's not what we're talking about at all. Now, if God is calling you to do that, I hope that you'll follow that and that you'll follow in what he's doing. But our goal this morning is to help those of you who work in insurance, who are teachers, who are doctors, who are moms, grandmothers, whatever the case might be, that whatever it is that God has brought into your life right now, that you would be able to discern what is God calling me to do in the midst of that? How is he calling to use me? What is he wanting to do in my life? And will I answer that call? Now, big picture, Jesus has placed a call on all of our lives. And the primary call that Jesus places on our life is a call to salvation. It's a call to trust him. It's a call to place our faith in him and not in the things of this world. That's why Jesus died on the cross and conquered death so that we could be made whole. If you're a parent, a grandparent, you have a calling to raise the next generation. You have a calling to invest in the next generation coming behind you. For all of us, we have a calling to use our gifts in the life of the church, to strengthen the ministry of the church because of the calling that we have answered. So the agenda today is to help you understand, God, what do you want to do today in my life? And ultimately, what do you want to do in the future in my life? So the story that we're using to unpack this truth is the story of Moses in the book of Exodus. In fact, we're going to be in Exodus for the summer in our sermon series called The Greatest Adventure. We just started this last week, and we're going to be looking at Moses throughout the summer. And a little backstory for you about Moses. Moses was an Israelite, and he was born, and he was born at a time where Pharaoh was the leader of Egypt, and Pharaoh had issued this edict that all of the Israelites Israelite boys were to be put to death. They were to be thrown into the river. And so Moses' mom had this baby, a couple months old, and so she did not want to see her son succumb to that. And so she decided to put him in a little basket and to make the basket float worthy so it would actually float down the river and, in essence, kind of just see what would happen as she took her chances with that. And so Moses floats down the river, and he is picked up by the Pharaoh's daughter. The Pharaoh's daughter sees the little, you know, sees the little baby, and she takes the baby, and she says, well, I'm going to try to raise this baby. I don't want to see this baby succumb to what the other Israelite little boys are experiencing. And she said, but I'm Egyptian, and he's Israelite, so it would be awesome for me to have an Israelite mom to help raise this child. So she puts out an order for someone to go find her, an Israelite mom, and coincidentally, the mom that she finds is Moses' birth mother. And so Moses' birth mother comes and actually helps raise this child as a baby. And he grows up. He grows up in the house of Pharaoh. He was trained in the greatest schools of Egypt. Many biblical scholars believe that he would have been next in line to have actually become and been appointed as a Pharaoh. But he saw something. He saw something happening in Egypt that bothered him. He saw the oppression of his people. He saw the oppression and how they were held in slavery. They were held in captivity. And so there's this moment where he has this interchange with an Egyptian, another Egyptian man, and it becomes elevated, and Moses actually kills this man. So much so then 
they start going after Moses. And Pharaoh starts trying to find Moses, and he flees to the land of Midian and starts tending sheep. And for the next 40 years, he's in Midian while the Israelites are in captivity in Egypt. If you're anything like me, you read the verses of Scripture, and you see chapter 2 closes and chapter 3 starts, and you think that's probably like a day in between. You know, that's day 2. And chapter 3 is day 3. It's just 40 years that go in between these junctures of the story. And so that's where we pick up in Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. So now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. And Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. So when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. This is something that you can see about calling. For us to talk about calling, you've got to understand this, and you see it here on the screen. You can fill it in on your worship guide if you want to follow along with these notes. Calling always has a context. Calling always has a context. Another way you could word that, calling always has a background. There's always a backstory for your calling. What is the context for Moses? Look at verse 1. Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. So Moses is tending sheep in Midian, sheep that belong to his father-in-law. Eventually, some years later, Moses is going to deliver the Israelites out of captivity from Egypt. And guess what land they're going to go to? Midian. Coincidence? I think not. God's working. God is always working. Your calling always has a context. He would have been so familiar with this land. He would have been tending sheep in it for 40 plus years. Moses was a guy who was looked down upon by his own people. He was looked down upon, of course, by the Egyptians. He was not a likely character that God would pick, not a likely character that we would pick, a very likely character God would pick, but someone I would look at and probably say, God would have to pick somebody else. That gives me great confidence, does it you? To know that God doesn't see what the world sees. God says, I want to pick you and choose you for what I see. Moses was leading sheep when the calling of God came to his life. Don't miss this, friends. Sometimes the greatest clarity of your calling comes when you're being faithful to the task at hand. Sometimes the greatest clarity to what God is calling you to do comes when you're just being faithful to the task at hand. So that's why if you're a teacher, you teach to the glory of God. If you're an insurance agent, you sell insurance to the glory of God. If you are a stay-at-home mom, you be a stay-at-home mom to the glory of God because that is the context 
that you are perfectly prepared and equipped for. And as Pastor Jeff reminded us last week, God has used every part of your story to prepare you for what he is preparing for you. So be faithful to the task at hand. I think about the disciples. Most of the disciples were ordinary. Jesus called them out as fishermen, as tent makers, as really common everyday people and did something extraordinary with them. How about David? David showed up on the battlefield not as a potential warrior for Goliath. He showed up on the battlefield as an Uber Eats driver. He's bringing food. He is bringing food to his older, much older, much stronger, much bigger brothers. That's why David shows up on the battlefield to begin with, and God says, that's the one I want. That's the one I want to call. So if you're here and you feel unworthy of what God is asking you to do, you are in great company with the leaders in Scripture. So answer the call. Step up to what it is that God is calling you to do. I think sometimes it's easy for us to miss what God is calling us to do because we're just not being faithful to where he has us in the moment. That calling always has a context. So what is calling? Maybe I should have started there. (laughs) What is calling? What does it actually mean to be called? This is my personal definition of calling, which means this is not one you should repeat and is worth nothing in the worldly (laughs) standards, okay? But one of my personal definitions of calling is that calling is a significant attention getter from God about a path he wants me to walk. It's a very significant attention getter. It can happen in the moment. It might happen over the course of a year. It might be over the course of five years. But these moments, these attention getters that come from God that remind me he has a path that he wants me to take. And there's some specific types of callings. There's a couple categories of calling that I want us to unpack, a couple different types. And you see them here on the screen. See, God calls you in both general and specific ways to be a part of the story he's writing. God calls you in both general and specific ways to be a part of the story he's writing. You see it mapped out for you right here in Scripture. There's a general call, and there's a very specific call. Look at verse 5. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. This is a very general call. God is saying, when you come to me, realize that you approach me with holiness. Why? Because I am God, and you are not. It's a call. To come to God, that's a calling that God has placed on your life. Come to me and realize I am holy and I am set apart from you. Scroll forward five verses, though, and you get a very specific call. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. That's specific. It's saying this is what's going to happen, and you, Moses, are going to be the one to do it. But it's not isolated. There's many instances of this in scripture. How about the Great Commission? Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always through the very end of the age. It's a general call. It doesn't tell you where to go. It says you are just to go. Some of us, by a show of hands, are probably, I wish it was more specific, right? I don't know. Am I supposed to go there? Am I supposed to go here? God says go. It's a very general call. But look at Ephesians 2.10, because Ephesians 2.10 gives us a specific call. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So generally, God says, I want you to go. But specifically, God says, I have prepared good works in advance for you to do. General versus specific. How about love? 
Love everyone always. It's the general biggest principle that we see all throughout Scripture. We have to love people, to love God, love others. But yet there's also a really specific place that we are supposed to love, a specific ministry context that God has for us in love. So how do I know that this is a calling? How do I really know that this is a calling versus, I don't know, indigestion? Because what am I experiencing? Is this a call from God or is this Mexican food that I let sit too long? Is this God or is this just a good idea? Is this God or is this something else? What are those tests? How do I really know, Pastor Jason, what God's call is on my life? We got to listen to what God's doing. One of the greatest pieces of advice that I've ever been given about joining what God's doing came from an incredible resource called Experiencing God, where Henry Blackaby says, see where God's work, working, and join him there. Position yourself at a place to just say, wherever God's working, that's where I want to be. Now, in Moses' particular case, he got a burning bush, though. It would be easy for me to follow God's call if God brought a burning bush that didn't actually burn up. I mean, of course, who wouldn't listen to that? God spoke literally, verbally, like I'm speaking to you now through this bush that didn't burn up. Of course, that would have been an easy call to understand. And maybe I will say, well, God, if you would just speak to me a little bit more like that, then I would answer your call. And we say that completely foregoing the fact that God has spoken. He gave us this. See, Moses, these stories are recorded about what was happening with Moses' life in real time. According to Scripture in 2 Timothy, this is all inspired by God. This is the breath of God. And so I have his voice. I have his words right here. And so read it. Study it. And God speaks to you in the midst of it. And God shows you specifically what it is and generally what it is that he desires to do. Maybe it's a trusted friend. Hopefully you have someone in your life that will help you refine that calling and help you see, hey, this is where your skill set is, and this is really what God, I believe, is calling you to do. Of course it's prayer. In times of prayer, just opening yourself and saying, God, what is it that you're calling me to do? And ask that he would allow you an opportunity to join him in that work. So how did Moses respond, though? Let's see how Moses responds to both these general and specific calls. Look back at verse 11. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. And Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. So God reveals this call to Moses, and he responds by saying, me? It's almost as if you're looking behind his back, God, the burning bush has to be for someone else. God, I'm the one that you're calling? Okay, well, who am I supposed to tell them sent me? What am I supposed to tell them? Did you catch who Moses is thinking about first when he receives the call? He's thinking about himself. He's not thinking about God. He's thinking about himself, and you see this here on your notes. And I encourage you to take this point and wrestle with it this week because you will always struggle to be obedient to God's call when you make the call more about you than you make it about God. You can take this to the bank. Underline, circle, highlight the word always. You will always struggle 
to be obedient to God's call. When you make the call more about you than you do about God. Moses, being human like us, said, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? See, God is speaking generally. God's speaking specifically. And Moses is saying, yeah, I've been gone from Egypt for 40 years. And my last days that I were there, I killed someone and they tried to kill me. So I doubt they're going to roll out the red carpet to welcome me back to Egypt. He was making it about him. You and I may be guilty of the same thing. God speaks. And we may say, yeah, God, but I don't want to leave my job. Or, yeah, God, I don't want to be inconvenienced in that way. Or, yeah, God, I don't want to be the one that brings up that conversation. Or, yeah, God, that sounds great, but I don't want to take a pay cut. Or, yeah, God, that sounds awesome, but I don't want to move away from something that I've never done before or that's really unknown to me. See, any time that God speaks, we're most likely, if not careful, to put ourselves in the driver's seat. And it's always going to be a struggle. We will always struggle to be obedient to God's call when we make the call more about us than we make it about him. Now, you guys, I want you to be, let's just all be honest together. We're all friends here, right? When something happens, who do we tend to think of first? It's, you're in church, so don't lie. <laughs> me. Yeah, you guys are like, does he want me to say Jesus, myself, <laughs> others? Me. When something happens in life, we tend to think about ourselves first. If you need further evidence of this, find yourself in a group picture. Get with eight people Snap a picture of that group, look at the picture, and discern what makes it a great picture. <laughs> it's not the setting. It's not the quality of the camera. It's not whether there was an iPhone 12, 11, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5 that took the picture. It's not that. The picture is good if you look good. <laughs> it is. There can be eight people, and you can look awesome. And poor Janet over here, her face is just askew and her eyes are closed. And you're like, post it, Instagram story, profile pic. It's awesome. The seven other people in the picture could look awesome and you could look terrible. And you're like, retake. Retake. It's just the human condition. We tend to look out for ourselves first. And so prognosis, normal, but... Don't stay there because when God speaks and I think about myself more than I think about God, I'm going to miss something that he desires. We could unpack this truth all day, but I believe some of us are struggling in our calling right now because God has spoken to us and we've thought about it from God's perspective for about two minutes and we've thought about it from my perspective for about two weeks. And God is saying, hmm, something's off. Some of us might be struggling in our marriage right now because we think about ourselves all the time and not our spouse. Some of you may be struggling with a job right now because everything about that job is circling around you. And God is saying, no, I want you to bring this to me and show me that you want to be used in through that. And I will meet you there. Some of us are struggling to connect with the Bible right now because we've put ourselves as the main character. And God is saying, no, I'm primary. And I want you to understand what it is that I am doing. So when it comes to calling, however, though, I want you to catch this. When it comes to calling, this is how you can fulfill your calling, whatever that might be. This is how you can fulfill your calling. You can fulfill it with confidence because of I am who is calling you. 
You can fulfill your calling with confidence because of the great I am who is calling you. See, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And this is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Moses says, this group is not going to welcome me back with open arms. How am I supposed to come? What am I supposed to tell them? Who am I supposed to tell them gave me these orders? And God says, tell them that the great I am sent you. That Hebrew word for God, the name for God is Yahweh, which means I am. Meaning that God is. God is before all things. God holds everything together. God never changes. God never runs out of energy. God never runs out of any resources. And because of that, you can fulfill that calling with confidence, not arrogance. You can fulfill that calling with confidence because of the great I am who is calling you. 16 years ago, I answered a call to vocational ministry. It was 2005. And for the past 16 years, I've been trying my best to fulfill that calling. And the last 12 of those years have been right here at Rolling Hills. In some form or fashion, prior to us having any campuses besides our Franklin campus, I was on staff and have loved every moment, have loved every opportunity that God has brought my way in the last 12 years as I've sought to fulfill that calling. I wake up every day excited about what God is doing and so humbled to be a part of it. But if I'm honest with you, I also wake up every day feeling inadequate and saying, God, clearly there's somebody better that you could call to be a part of this work than me. But every morning I wake up excited because of what God is doing. And I hope and pray that you wake up excited in whatever God has called you to do because of what he's doing. Not because of what we get to bring to it, but because of what he is doing. When we stand here a few minutes ago and we watch James baptize Anderson, see, that's Christmas morning. That is as good as it gets right there. Literally, nothing will happen throughout the course of my day that will top what just happened this morning. Nothing. Try me. Nothing. There is nothing that tops transformation in the life of people. And as followers of Christ, if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that is what God is calling you to do, to go and be a part of transformational work in the lives of people. I think about what's happening with our students. We have over 200 students today from our Franklin, Nolensville, Nashville campus that are headed to the beach for camp. 65 leaders, 200 plus students from all over Middle Tennessee headed to camp. And I think to myself, that is awesome. If that doesn't get you excited, what would? I mean, if that doesn't get you excited, something's wrong with you. I mean, that's exciting to see because what happens in those moments, God comes and speaks so clearly. And so loudly in those kinds of moments. I think about what's happening here as we are going to be expanding our campus. We're going to be building a brand new building on the front part of this campus. And guys, it is exciting and it is thrilling. And I am so grateful for it. We are in this season right now where we've been given the green light by the Planning Commission of Nolensville. The plans are with the fire marshal. The plans are with those who issue the permits. And inevitably... There can be delays, and there can be things that happen and whatnot, but barring any major delays, by the end of the summer, we're going to be officially breaking ground for a new building up here. It's awesome. It is exciting, but that's not the church. That's a tool. It's a tool that God will give us to be a part of his work because the ministry is the vision. Your calling, you living out your calling is the vision. It is a huge task at hand. 
things that are happening in the life of our church, they require us to pray at levels that we've never prayed before. They require us to invest and to support and to serve and to invite, potentially at a level that we never have before. And in our own human power, in fact, when I wake up and I just put on the Jason hat and not the I am is in charge of this hat, when I just put on the Jason hat, it's completely overwhelming. Whatever it is that God has for your life, all the unknowns, your business, your family, the things that you're anxious about right now, the things that you want to do in your life, when you just put on the hat of me, myself, and I, you will 100% inevitably be overwhelmed. But because the great I am is the one calling us, that should remind us that I am not in charge. Because of the great I am, I am not in control. Because of the great I am, I am not the one holding all this together. Because of the great I am, he is the one who is doing it. And what do we do? We move forward with confidence, not because of who we are, but because of who he is. Go forward to verse chapter 4. Look at chapter 4. So again, Moses gets this call, very general, very specific. This is how he answers. Chapter 4, verse 1. What if they don't believe me or listen to me? And they say, the Lord did not appear to you. Scroll down to verse 10. So Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant. Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past, nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. God speaks to Moses, and he says, What if they don't believe me? Okay, God, I don't know. What if they don't believe me? What am I supposed to do then? And also, God, I'm not a very good speaker. I'm not very eloquent in my speech. Surely there is someone else that you should call forward. And that's as if God is reminding us of this point. God doesn't need to be informed of all the reasons something will not work. We think God needs to be reminded of all of our inadequacies. God does not need to be informed of all of the reasons something will not work. How do we know this to be true? Go back to chapter 3, verse 8. This is so cool. Chapter 3, verse 8. I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Did you catch this? God's plan for what he was going to do was already set in motion before Moses had a chance to start going through all of his insecurities. God's plan was already clear. God said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to deliver my people, and I'm going to use you. God's plan was already in works before Moses had a chance to ask questions about it. The same is true for the church today. Look at what Jesus told Peter in Matthew 16, 18. I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, or hell, will not overcome it. See, the church wins in the end. The gates of hell do not prevail over God's work. Sin does not conquer Jesus. Jesus conquered death. Jesus conquered sin. So you're on the winning team this morning. He doesn't need to be reminded of all the inadequacies. He doesn't need to be reminded of all the reasons something isn't going to work. I've been very guilty of this in my life, and maybe you have as well. Some of us are specialists in being a wet blanket. We just are. Great things happen, and we're like, mm, too risky. Too complicated. Asks too much of me. Too unknown. Too expensive. Too, 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 too uncomfortable. Whatever the case might be. See, and God is saying, no, I want less of that and more trust. And you 
believing that I'm going to do what only I can do. And so I want you to see as the last point this morning. God delights in using you, friends. Flaws and all. (laughs) This is good news. God delights in using you, flaws and all, of which we all have many. God delights using you. Moses brought to God what his concerns were. Look at verse 12 of chapter 4. Now go, I will help you speak and I will teach you what to say. He says, okay, Moses, I know you're concerned. I know you're worried. I know that you said you're not a very good communicator. Go, nonetheless, I will help you. I will pick up for you where you're weak, and I'll teach you what to say. So one of the most necessary prerequisites to be used by God is to say, you know what, I'm going to make myself available for whatever work it is that God has in store for me. Whether it's general or whether it's specific, I pray that you don't miss it. And I pray that whatever God is calling you to do, that you would respond with yes. Aren't you thankful for those people in your life that said yes? I could stand up here for hours and tell you about all the people in my life that I'm thankful that they said yes and that they didn't say, uh, I wish God would call somebody else to do that work. I think about my, one of my Sunday school teachers uh, when I was a kid. Her name was Betty Centers. And Betty was awesome. She showed up consistently every week to teach these kids. And I know that there were probably days that she went home and thought, what have I gotten myself into? But she taught us little jingles to help us remember the books of the Bible. And still today, when I'm trying to find a minor prophet, I hear Betty's jingle (laughs) in my head. She created this little box, a little shoe box that we would put prayer requests in. And every so often, she'd bring the box to church, and we'd pull out the request and see if God brought any answers to those requests. See, Betty was an accountant by day. She wasn't on the church staff, but she was someone who stepped up to say yes to serve in family ministry. It matters. When you say yes to volunteering at VBS, when you say yes to working on the other side of this cinder block wall with family ministry, it matters. It long outlives you. I think about an upperclassman student at my university named Ben, and Ben was a senior and I was a freshman, and Ben invited me to be a part of his Bible study group. And Ben saw in us young guys leadership potential, and he invested in us, and he allowed us opportunities to lead. And it was the first time that I saw what true discipleship looked like, and I'm forever changed because of investments of guys like Ben in my life. And so when you step up and say yes to someone, when you sit knee to knee with someone over coffee, and you start hearing about their life, and you start encouraging them, see, God uses that significantly. I'm thankful for a dear saint of the Lord who's gone on to be with Jesus already named Sybil Miller. Sybil was a retired school teacher, and she had a house um, with a full basement apartment, separate entrance, being completely unused. And someone asked Sybil if it would be possible for a young college intern who had no money and no ability to pay for any kind of housing if they could live in that basement apartment. And it was in those two years that God solidified my call to ministry. So when Sybil read on some church bulletin about college intern with no money needing a place to stay, she said, yes, I am forever grateful for that. So when you say yes to whatever God's asking you to do, you're saying yes to something that you don't know the half of what he wants to do. God is calling you. He has a call on each of your lives. So my question for you this morning is, are you going to offer him a blank check and say, God, do what only you can do? Maybe God's trying to get your attention today. And I hope and pray that you'll respond to what it is that he wants to do. In fact, I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. We're going to close the service today. The band's going to come up. They're going to lead us in another 
time of worship. And we're going to get you out here in just a minute, I promise. But I don't want us to leave this moment without just grappling with, God, what is it that you're doing? What is it that you want to do in my life? Please help me to respond to that. Whatever it might be, the questions, the information, the clarity, the knowledge that you're looking for, I pray that in this moment right now that God would give it to you and he would give you the courage to step up and say yes. The real temptation right now is to think of all the reasons that something's not going to work, all the reasons that God should call somebody else. How about this morning? You make yourself available and say, God, whatever it is you want to do, very generally, very specifically, I will say yes to that call. God, thank you for what you're going to do. Thank you for what you have done. I pray for the person in this room right now that's far from you, that they would understand that the call that you're placing on their life right now is to trust you, to lean in to a faith journey. I pray for the person who's really jaded and who's really hurt. And maybe they've been hurt by others. They've been hurt by the church. They've been hurt by um, something that's happened in their life. God, that you would remind them right now you've not let them go, but that you have a call for them too. I pray for the person right now who's looking at something that seems totally out of reach and insurmountable, that you would remind them, God, that you're the one, the great I am, who's calling. And so whatever it is that you're doing this morning, God, I pray that you would give us the wisdom to respond, to say yes, to praise you, to live for you, to give you control of everything. Thank you, God, for who you are, and thank you for what you're doing today. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to our Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, where you find great podcasts like Making History Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network, Rolling Hills Women's As You Go Podcast, and more. If you want to learn more about what's going on in the life of Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app or visit our website at rollinghills.church. From there, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook and stay up to date on what's happening and ways you can connect. We are thankful for you.